So I'm going to talk about uh, I'm going to talk about rethinking connection one more time, um, and uh, because we've got Duncan kicking off that series, and when we're thinking about re uh, about rethinking connection, one thing I want to talk about is uh, is in the area of unity, oneness. And, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, a situation with my wife. My, uh, my wife has had a problem in kicking things at the moment, right? She's kicking stuff all the time. She blames me for the first kick. And her tiny little toe kicked my foot. And for, it must have been months, this little thing took so long to heal. Who's kicked something with their, t- with, with their toe? Well, my goodness, it hurts. And this was the little one. Now, it affected us in such a way that, that you know, we normally go for a walk around the block and she couldn't walk. She's, got a, she's lying on the couch and, and uh, she's, you know, she's got ice packs on it continuously. You, you're with me here? It is, it is so, so painful. Now, you know, I've got a, you know, I, I don't know, you guys, you may not quite get this. Now, I, I might have to show you, because this is... Okay, now, now look, some would say I'm slightly bigger than Renee. Some would say I'm double her size. But, but if you look, it's such a small part of the body, isn't it? Not a bad foot, no tinea. But this little puppy here, all right, that's what kicked me. She was in pain for... So eventually, she went to go see a doctor. And they think it could have been fractured. Well, fortunately, it wasn't my fault next time, but she went into our walk-in robe and kicked something else. Different toe, same result. Not as bad, but she kicked something else. And it wasn't, it just, it was a bag of some description. But it's just such a little, tiny toe compared to the body. You're probably looking at it and saying, Paul, that's huge. But no, no, it's so small. How about, uh, let's have that reading, brother. Alright, for anyone who doesn't know my name, I'm Austin. Hey guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that is parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Great passage, isn't it? Great passage of scripture. When one part of the body isn't working well, It affects everything else. And Jesus taught his followers, you and I, that we're all part of one family, the family of God. There's no lone rangers, is there? You know, one part of the body isn't better than any other parts of the body. And if you're little toe you think is quite insignificant, think again. It can actually control how you feel in your day. It can make you feel like even though the rest of the body wants to go for a walk, you can't go because that little toe, so insignificant when you look at the total whole, actually stops you from going for a walk. So there's no lone rangers in, uh, in the kingdom of God. We're, we're part of a living organism, Christ's body, the church. The entire human body isn't an ear. It isn't a hand. It, uh, it's it's uh, not a foot or an eye. Rather, it, it actually makes up, it's made up of many parts and each and every one of them has different functions. And so... That, that, that what Paul's trying to say here, and I believe this is a word for us, is that we belong together, not apart. And that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that gives us courage because you know, we might think, oh, I'm just insignificant. Who am I in this church? <laughs> you are so, so so important and you're so valued and we need every single one of you in this body to be connected in. If the church is to be true to the purpose for which God intended it to be, then individual talents and gifts need not only to be recognised but also celebrated. Every part is for every other part. Amen? Let's get a little bit of uh, African here, you know. I've just come back. I've got, uh, I've got a, a Ghanaian man living with me. I've shown him all my Live Connection DVDs last night and, and I got fired up. So I reckon we need to do the same. Yeah, that's it. Every part is for every other part. And when we are together and we are together as one, we can accomplish great things. Otherwise, we'll struggle to even go for a walk with our doggy jazz. 
right? So we actually have to be united as one and not only recognize the fact that we are God's gift to each other, but celebrate that. No part is meant to function alone. And what Paul was writing here was to correct the misguided notion that no one is better or worse than anybody else. And there was a problem that came into the church where people were saying, this gift's better than this gift, this gift's better than this, this gift. And, and there was pride and selfishness that came into the church. And that's just like a disease into the body. It just erodes the very thing that God would have us do, which come is to come together in unity. There are no special parts in the body. All are united and equal. And there's no special people in the church either. God doesn't love me as the pastor any more than he loves you. There's, there's no, he doesn't actually love me any more than some, some guy in the park that is homeless. He, does, he loves us equally. He created us and he's got his stamp on us. And I love the passage in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 17. And it says this, because there is one bread, one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And so the church, what he's saying here, is, is coming around communion, and it's around one loaf. We're actually pulling from one loaf. But we actually acknowledge also that that one loaf um, is a loaf which um, the personal genders were set aside. You know, it, it's it, because Jesus came and he died for you and I. And, and so now he gives his life for us and we are to, in some ways, die to ourselves and partake of this one loaf. And if we are coming from one loaf... Where is the division? If we come from the foundation of death to self and living for Christ, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live unto him who died and gave his life for me. If we're going to come to that point and eat from the one loaf, then there should be no disunity in the church because the, the foundation is that we come to that place of death again and again. So the foundation of the church is unity in Christ. You know, we also can't wish that we were, we were another part of the body because we are already part of his body. So some of you might think, well, you know, I'm, I don't know what gift I have or I don't know what value I am to the church. You need to change the way you think because you are already part of his body. And it's... it's, it's a, it's a matter of recognising your part in the body and celebrating that. And what is actually absent is the awareness that you are part of the body and part of who God has called you to be. And we must live in this constant place where we recognise the Holy Spirit's gift upon each and every single person continuously. And, and really, it, it, it is, um, if God says he shows no partiality, 
even when he's looking at people that haven't yet acknowledged God as, as saviour and God as God, he still, he, he still shows no partiality with them. They still have God's treasure in them. He's, they still have God's gift in them. And so when we embrace them, we embrace them the way Jesus would embrace them. Remember, he was, he was the friend of the tax collectors and sinners. So he embraced the people that he saw the potential in them. They are gods. They just don't know it yet. And so when we look at people, we look at them from that perspective, that, that almost like you know, God is yearning them to come and join his family. God's family should be, they should show, and they should tell of what true belonging and love looks like. There's a, a scripture I, I, I love, and you, you've probably heard me say it, and it's from the message, Matthew 7, verse 12. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behaviour. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Amen? Some of the scriptures I love is Ephesians 2 verse 5, about loving one another and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's that sense of, of what God did for his body. He gave his life up for you. And so it sort of eliminates selfishness, doesn't it? It sort of... It, you, it just pushes that away and says, you know what? If God gave his life up for me, then I can, I can give my life up for my brothers. Actually, he wants you to do it. For, for, I actually believe that the way the world is going to be loved, uh, one for, for Christ, is that we're going to love even those that don't know Jesus with that same love. Um, serving one another. One of my favourite scriptures. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So even this setting and out in the world, God is saying what we need to do as a body is serve one another. And not only serve one another, again, that, that theme, that motive of serving one another to the point where we're willing to give our life for one another. That's pretty huge, isn't it? You know, that, that goes to another level. This is getting away from service. Quite often we forget about the second part of that verse, but the second part is stronger than the first. If God himself came not to be served, but to serve, we've got to do that, right? But the next part is and give his life a ransom for many. And so when we're part of the body, when we're, we're, we're part of the unity of Christ, then we have to go to the level where we will love one another with that sacrificial love and will serve one another to that sacrificial love to the point of even dying for one another, modelled by Jesus himself. We're to pray for one another, James 5 verse 16, and we're to forgive one another, Ephesians 4, 32. I love that scripture too. It's be kind to one another, tenderheartedness, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So in this context of a, 
a community, and not just in this community, even out in the world, we, we actually have to, we have to be kind to one another. We've got to be tender-hearted to one another. We've got to forgive one another because that will actually, that will, that will turn people to God because it's not in the human nature, is it? But, but surely we who have experienced the love and the power and the gospel of God and his Holy Spirit has come into us, surely we must have the capacity to be kind to people in the world we must have the capacity to be tender-hearted to the people in the world, that they might know that Jesus is God. We've got to even forgive those people in the world when they wrong us, because if we don't, how are they going to see Jesus in us? And if we do it for them out there, how much more are we to do it in the one loaf? How much more are we to do it in the body? And so Jesus, he loved all people, he served all people, he prayed for all people, he forgave all people. And, and the big things he came down on were not, were not the sinners, but it was about hypocrisy and pride and selfishness and slander and gossip and anything that would erode the unity of the body. And the reality is we're human, hey. I mean, like, we're human and we'll never be perfect people. But imperfect people can be committed to a radical, spirit-empowered life, which has the ability to love, serve, pray and forgive, even if it costs us our life. Because God's spirit is in us. And so we come to that place and that beautiful song that we sang this morning. Well, we didn't sing. We sort of sung it in our heads, really, didn't we, really? Um, hummed it. I found myself wording a little bit, don't, 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 there's no cameras on me. Um, but the, the beautiful thing is, is that, it, you know, that's, that, that's, I suppose, the difference between a, a believer and a non-believer is that God's spirit that is in us gives us this, that capacity to love, not with our love, but his, to serve, not with, with our sense of desire, but with his, because we see people in a different way, that we'll pray for people and we'll forgive people because it's not natural. But that same thing that's not natural is what turns the world to a place of accepting Christ because it's not natural. And so they say, what's different about you? It's by your love for one another that I can see that you are his disciple. So we are to be the hands, the feet, the mouth of Jesus and the voice to the helpless the light in a dark world. And if we unite together and we dedica dedicate ourselves to God, we're going to make an eternal difference in our world. So another scripture I love, you know, if you came with me to Africa, I beat this drum so, so hard. But God calls you and me to take up our place in his body to bring a fuller expression of himself in the world. And there's a scripture in Ephesians 4 verse 16, which says, under his direction. Whose direction? You know, God's. I'm, I've got an NLT here, but the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Right, we're fitted together perfectly, but only from that, you know, that surrendered place. 
as each part does its own special work, right? So, yeah, the toe's pretty important, otherwise you can't go for a walk. You know, every part of the body's important, otherwise, you know, you suffer. You know, we've got an eye over here, we've got an ear here. Both have got bandages on them. Renee had a, a, you know, a, a, an ice pack on the toe. Every part is important, right? Um, but as each part does its own special, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's the perfect recipe for a supernatural movement of God in a lost and hurting world. And meanwhile, the meanwhile is that we become, you know, look, we become buddies. We become lifelong friends. We become brothers and sisters and workers and burden sharers and carers, and we do life well. You know, and that's, that's what I love about ministry. I, it's possibly, you know, why in some ways for me, you know, I, I push a role aside and it's just brothers and sisters, you know, mothers and fathers. It's, it's actually functioning out of a place of relationship because that is how God has called us to be. But, you know, there's another scripture. And again, those that have come to Africa have heard this one. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers. These somehow, you know, in some ways, some would call them lofty roles or positions. And, and you know what? They're not. They're not. They've got to roll those guys, right? But it, it, this is what he's saying. For, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God to the mature, uh, to, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of, of the fullness of Christ. So what that's actually saying is you've got the fivefold ministry there, but their role, right, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it's, it's, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So when you look at the fivefold ministry, the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists, guess what? They're not something that we lift up and, and, and think are better parts of the body than other people. They have a role. And often in, in, in our society today, they're paid for that role. But their role is to equip you for the work of ministry. So we all work together perfectly. They're actually there to, to keep out the, the, the things that would destroy and, and the unity and, and to release you when you don't believe in yourself, when you don't think you're an amazing toe, you know, when you don't think that you're an amazing ear or an amazing eye, they're going to say, hey, let us help you get your eye better. Let's help you get your ear better. Let's help you get your toe better because you matter. You're not just a toe. If you hurt, we hurt. You know, if, if you hurt, I can't take my dog for a walk. And, and I think in the church, God is calling us to, to uh, take hold of the fact that, that we, are not, uh, we, we are not insignificant. We are significant in God. And the, enti- the entire body isn't made up of the fivefold ministry. There's a diverse talent pool in this church. 
and there is a diversity of function of the parts as there is a diversity of function in the parts of the human body. So, the members of the body of Christ should not all strive to have the same gift or talent, just as an ear shouldn't strive to be an eye. We've just got to be you know, comfortable with who God has made us to be. A leader's assignment scripturally is to guide, lead, steer, and encourage you guys to be happy in your own skin. Yeah. Happier in your own skin. To be you at last. Don't have to be anyone else. You don't have to be another part of the body. You know, if... if, if, if you don't have a gift of, uh, of teaching. You don't have to teach. And, you know, you, you, there's different ways that you teach anyway. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure even this method of teaching is actually the best format. I think, you know, we've been racking our brain for decades across the world. To say, what, you know, how many sermons have you heard? And how much does it really transform people? I don't know. You know, and we're it's probably some of the best sort of learning is, is when you when you, you know, experience it yourself, you, you, you go for a trip to Africa or you, you get out in the mission field or you just, you, you just reach out and that's how transformation often really, really happens. But nevertheless, you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You've got to be you. You don't have to be anyone else in the body of Christ. There's no superstars. There's no lone rangers in the body of Christ. We do not build our ministries. We build God's kingdom, God's ministry. And while all Christians are unique individuals with their own unique strengths and gifts, we're also part of something greater than any of us individually, the body of Christ. So, in conclusion, we need each other. We need each other. Together, as the body of Christ, we can accomplish so much more than we could ever ever do on our own when we recognize when we celebrate and we develop the diversity of talents that live amongst us we are fulfilling God's purpose not just our own individual lives but also for the church and the kingdom of God so picture this I mean if we hold to a vision that looks like this and I I I wrote this a little while ago um and if it's, it's, it's what I would love to be a part of, and I believe the world would love to be a part of. A body where all the people of the world would feel welcome, accepted, cared for, and loved. A body where people are not valued because of what they do, but for who God has made them to be. A body where people are inspired to use their God-given gifts and talents to serve each other and the wider community where practically possible. A body that is genuine, real, authentic and honest. A body that discourages criticism, control and negativity. A body where people are not alone through the trials of life, through the valleys and the mountaintops of life. A body where amidst the, valley, amidst the valleys and mountaintops of life, you can physically sense a deep trust in God. A body where children, teenagers, parents, grandparents are indiscriminate 
with their love for one another. A body where there is laughter, celebration, encouragement and joy. Let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you for um, the vision that you've given us of unity. The vision where we can come together as one and we are stronger because of that vision. And we're in a better place to, just to show you to the world, to show that you're alive, that you are, uh, that, that, uh, that, that you are alive today as you were 2,000 years ago. And so, Father, we surrender to this teaching. We pray that we would pay, we play our part in it and that, Lord God, that we would experience the joy of being at one with each other and at one as a force to the community around us, both locally, regionally and globally. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>